So we're in a series called Starting Strong, and what we're talking about is the book of Acts, and we haven't gotten to the book of Acts yet. The first three weeks, what I wanted to do was set up some parameters of how we're going to look at the book of Acts, because the, it, it's, it's an interesting book in that it's the birth of the church. Like, you are here, and I am here because of the church being birthed. It's fascinating and incredible. That Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit called this community, uh, caused this community to um, arise. And it began to have little communities all over the place. And the Apostle Paul, and we'll get through all those stories, started planting churches and encouraging them and sometimes reprimanding them. But uh, this, this movement, the church of Jesus Christ, began to be on the move. And we are here because of that. And so uh, a lot of it is descriptive. It just tells the story of the early church. But some of it is prescriptive about what we can expect If we were a community empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the first week, what we talked about was the importance of community. The importance of community. And I did my best job uh, to encourage you to join a small group. Um, I I, I tried my hardest. And if you haven't heard that sermon, I encourage you to go online and go listen to that one. The second week, last week, we talked about the movement of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to, who is the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to listen to the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? So we talked about that last week because we're going to see him a lot in the book of Acts. Um, This morning, what I want to talk about uh, is something a little different. I was on the internet this week and it turns out that we're in an election cycle right now. (laughs) That that we're going to have an election in November, and, and I was reading about the two different candidates we have, and they couldn't be any different. One's a male and one's a female, okay? So right off the bat, they're, di- they're different there. And so I was reading about the different beliefs and all that, and uh, as it turns out, neither one of them are very popular. I don't know if, uh, if this might all be <laughs> new to you or whatever, but they're, neither one are very popular, and from what I can guess as I read all these different things, is that most people will pretty much be voting against somebody rather than for somebody. It's really fascinating. We have a um, two-party system, by the way, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, so uh, I was reading about all this kind of stuff, and what, what I was mostly fascinated by was everybody's opinion. Everybody had an opinion. And so I, I went on to the brain trust of uh, the United States. You know, we have a, a think tank here in the United States. It's called Twitter. And the, <laughs> the, smartest, the smartest people and the greatest ideas, like, I mean, they've really thought this out. Now, they're limited to 140 characters, so sometimes they have to spell things wrong and the punctuation's terrible. Uh, but... But this brain trust gets together. They all get together and they submit well-crafted ideas. Now, for those who can't limit their uh, ideas to 140 characters, there's there's another brain trust called Facebook. And the cool thing about Facebook is you can write long, long letters of outrage to your friends, okay? 
and your friends can like your uh, long letters, or if you have lots of friends and there's only like three likes, they don't like your ideas, okay? You'll come to find out. So I wanted to just talk just a little bit about social media, okay? And how does that impact us? Because here's the thing. I make fun of politicians all the time. Our church is pretty much split down the, right down the middle. Half of you are Democrats and half of you are Republicans, judging by the emails you send me. Um, <laughs> and uh, some of you are more, are more passionate than others. But we've been talking about going against the patterns of this world. And we, we talked about that in the first week, that there's a pattern of individualism, a pattern of self-centeredness, and a pattern of um, we have the right to be happy. We have the right to be happy. And if we're not happy, somebody needs to pay. That is a pattern of the world. The pattern of the world I want to talk about this morning is observation versus participation. So I make fun of politicians all the time. But here's the thing that you could easily push back uh, on me is at least they're doing something. uh, Well, okay. At least they're participating, okay? So I can sit all day long and I can make fun of Hillary. I can make fun of Trump. I can make fun of uh, uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives, all this kind of stuff. But they're they're doing it. And so this is the thing I want to leave with you this morning that I hope I can show you in the scriptures. Participation is better than observation. You can sit and watch me. And for those of you on Facebook Live, we're glad you're here. If I, someone could do a little heart thing and know that. Okay, thank you. Uh, um, and so participation, you can sit and we can watch and we can get fed and we can listen and we can do all that kind of stuff. But it's not until we get our hands dirty. It's not until we do something within the kingdom of God that our spiritual lives really begin to be birthed, really begin to grow. Now, it's fine not to be participatory in politics if you don't want. You don't have to be participatory in this. You don't have to uh, uh, be on Twitter or all that kind of stuff. But it is a tragedy to me for those who do not participate in the kingdom of God. Now, what do I mean by that? What, What does it mean to participate in the kingdom of God? And what is the kingdom of God? Well, uh, Jesus, uh, when, when, when Jesus came, one of the things he did, he, well, he died on the cross for our sins and made that, that, uh, um, that payment for us so that we could have a relationship with God. But another thing that he did was he, he ushered in God's kingdom. Jesus said it this way. It's very important. They, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, well, first you fold your hands like this and then you close your eyes. No, he said... So he gave him this this model. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The whole idea of Jesus coming and dying for our sins is not just to let us get to heaven. That is a good benefit, I have to admit, okay? But it's that our lives would be transformed here on earth. That we would, as followers of Jesus, actually be, Christians just means little Christ. Like we'd be like little mini-me, Christ, running around. Like we'd be, our lives would be transformed into his life. 
We would respond to situations the way he would respond to situations. We would treat people the way he treated people. That we would work in his kingdom as he worked in his kingdom. So I want to show you a a few verses, and we actually are going to look at a verse in Acts this morning. Uh, And then next week, we're going to kick off um, the the actual uh, series on Acts. I wanted to give us one more week for you to fill out your connection cards and say you want to be in a small group. So we're getting all those uh, divided up and everything. And so for those of you who thought you got away with it, you still have one more week uh, to, to, to do that. Participation is greater than observation. What do I mean? Well, in 2 Peter, uh, Peter was a disciple of Jesus, and um, he had a big uh, part in the book of Acts, as we'll see. And, and you can kind of see, one of the cool things about Peter is you can watch um, uh, his whole life transform. As, he, as, as he's walking with Christ, as he's modeling what Christ does, he, he stumbles and he makes these mistakes. And even at the end when, um, when Jesus was being uh, betrayed and, and, and he went to court and all this, Peter denied Jesus. Well, this is a totally different Peter that we see in Acts. This is a Peter empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a Peter that is participating in kingdom work. And so after what we read in Acts, Peter went on to write a couple of letters to the churches. And most of the New Testament are letters that the apostles wrote to these uh, small churches that were starting up to encourage them. And the idea was that um, they would be, uh, one church would get the letter, but it would be disseminated to all the different churches. And so Peter writes this uh, in the book, in the letter 2 Peter. The first one's called 1 Peter. Very creative, very creative. Here's what he says. His divine power has given us, check this out, everything we need for a godly life. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have everything you need for a godly life. Now, your first question should be like, well, let's see. Am I living a godly life? And how do I get some of that stuff? We need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He has given us everything we need for a godly life. Well, what does it look like to live a godly life? Well, you, you probably think to yourself, well, you don't sin, okay? So, you, you know, you, you don't look at things you're not supposed to. You don't uh, ingest things you're not supposed to. You don't think about things you're not supposed to. All that. That, that, that's a part of it. But if you really want to know how to live a godly life, we have this example his name's Jesus. And although Jesus didn't sin, so he took care of that part of it, to model Jesus, to model that godly life, to model what uh, it looks like, J- Jesus essentially was God in the flesh, he served. He invested in the kingdom of God. Now, uh, um, Kristen just got up and she started talking about children's ministry. And she talked about putting goldfish in little bags. First of all, I love goldfish, so I can't do it. I'd gain like 50 pounds. It's like, where are all the goldfish? So uh, when you do that, when you put goldfish in little bags, you are investing in the kingdom of God. He's like, well, I can't preach a sermon. I can't. I'm not a good evangelist. I don't, you know... When you fill little baggies with goldfish, you are participating in the the kingdom of God. 
Lots of what Jesus did. Jesus taught, absolutely. But lots of what he did really didn't have anything to do with that so much as it did just modeling what it's like to serve, what it's like to participate. And the thing is, the reason we're talking about this now, when we get into the book of Acts, they went off. They, ser- they, were, they were invested in the kingdom. So he says, you've been given everything to do that. You've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now watch why. Why, why is that? Through these, 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 uh, these things that he's given you for life and godliness, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may, what's that word? Participate. That in fact, you can participate in the kingdom of God. Now, there's a couple things I know that's coming through your mind right now because they go through my mind. Some of you are thinking, I'm too busy, <laughs> okay? I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to even fill little baggies with, uh, little, uh, with, with goldfish. Like, I'm just too, I'm too busy. So you kind of disqualify yourself out of participating because you're very busy. And I know we, we all are very busy. But most of you are probably thinking, I, I don't have anything to offer. <laughs> I don't, I, I, what am I going to do? I barely know the Bible. I just started coming to church and I don't even, I'm, I'm trying to just figure out if I even believe in God. Let me go back one slide real quick. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, his glory and goodness and these things he's given us, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Again, what is the divine nature? That sounds so heady. It's living like Jesus. (laughs) That is the divine nature. The more your life reflects the life of Jesus, the more you are participating in the divine nature. And much of that, much of that has to do with service. Jesus said this incredible statement. It's Jesus we're talking about. He said he he, he was referring to himself as the Son of Man. He said the Son of Man did not come to earth to be served, but to serve. That's the same vision he has for us. That you, may not, that you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now watch what he says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. Years back, we did a whole series on just these section of verses. And to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love, and love always represents itself in action, in participation. If I say to my wife, I love her, but I never serve her, I don't, I'm not truly loving her. We love when we serve, and this is what God wants us to do. This is the divine nature. And watch what he says, because this should give you a little bit of a wake-up call. And and, uh, he says this, for if you possess these qualities, self-control, goodness, kindness, uh, mutual affection, and they're increasing, like you're working. Now, this is so encouraging because it means that it's not when you arrive, okay, God is much more interested in your trajectory than he is where you are right now. If, if they're yours, if you can have a glimpse of them a little bit, and they're in, in increasing measure, it, it, you're working on it. 
That should be encouraging to you. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. You know what that means? That means that I can be ineffective and unproductive and that God doesn't want me to do that. That I can miss out on some things of the kingdom because I'm staying out of serving. You say, well, John, what do you mean by serving? You're talking about children's ministry? Or you're talking about all that kind of stuff. I, I want to share just a little bit of the vision of where we're going as a church within the next few months so you can kind of understand what's happening. We are changing a lot of how our church is structured. Um, I'm still going to be the senior pastor until uh, two weeks when you fire me after you see the new vision. Uh, no, uh, but, uh, but we're going to try to organize our, ourselves into teams. And so there will be an audiovisual team. There will be a property management team. There will be a greeting team. There will be an assimilation team. And those teams will have team leaders and all this kind of stuff. That those things will be broken down into very small little increments. So your service to the kingdom might be something as simple as every third Friday you power wash the patio. And you think, well, that's not very spiritual. I assure you, I've done it many, many times. It is so spiritual, your life will be changed forever. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Angels come down, they're all helping, they're scrubbing. It's, oh my gosh. No, these are the types of things I'm talking about. Now you say, well, I, I, you know, oh, oh, I see, this is a big push to work on the church. No, 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 the kingdom of God is not just living spring. To participate in the kingdom might be something you're doing at work. It might be something you're doing in your, in your block. It might be something you're doing at home, just some way of participating in that divine nature, some way of serving, some way of impacting someone else. This, when we read the book of Acts, when we start next week, we're, we're going to start with Jesus like zipping up into heaven. It's a pretty cool story. Uh, and then we're going to just start watching. The church is on fire and it's unstoppable because they were participating. It was not just about Peter preaching a really good sermon, Paul going around and planting churches. These, the people who were part of the church, and church just means gathering. That's all it means. It doesn't mean building. It means gathering. They were so connected to each other and so connected to the Lord that they were changing the world. If you possess those things, and if you, we put those things into action, we will neither be ineffective or unproductive. Now, the problem is, the pattern of this world it pushes us to sit back and watch and evaluate and give stars. One star, two star, five stars, whatever. That, that's the pattern of this world. Jesus, I, I put it in here. We won't spend too much time on it. But Jesus was talking about this idea of just sitting back and, and, and evaluating and not participating. And it's in a very famous section of scripture, and we usually get it wrong, this section of scripture. It's about seeing a speck in your brother's eye and and, and having a plank in your own. Now, we typically um, translate that to mean don't look at anybody, you know, I'm, I have my own problems, you have your problems, so let's just not talk about it at all. Like, like how am I going to tell them that, that they have a speck in their eye, you know, when I have my own problems? Well, let me ask you this. If you have a speck in your eye, what is the only thing in this whole planet you're thinking about? The speck in your eye, right? So if you can help me get a speck out of my eye, I'm actually pretty happy about that. And so if you say, hey, John, I've noticed this 
part in your life. It's probably holding you back from stuff. That's, that's what the church is all about. But watch what he says. This is, this is how he says it. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He's not saying, don't look at the speck. He's saying, you've got a plank in your eye. <laughs> you need to take care of that plank. He goes, you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye, which is a, actually a very nice thing to say if you can do it, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. Now, this is why we translate it the way we do. Is he, is he then says, you hypocrite, which isn't that nice. Uh, but, but watch the instruction. First, take the plank out of your own eye. First, like walk a little bit in that person's shoes. Now, we do this all the time. We, we look at how people are raising their kids, and we might not even have kids. We, we kind of look at marriages. We might not even be married. Have you ever done this? For those of you who have had kids, I'm just going to be honest with you. I was the greatest parent on the planet. <laughs> I mean, I was amazing, amazing. I was patient. I, was, I knew exactly what to do in every single situation. I, I, was, I was fantastic. And then we had kids. <laughs> like, I could, right? And, and I, had, I was the most incredible husband you've ever seen. And then I got married. And I started walking. And, and then, you know, you know how it is. If, if you have something you're struggling with and you meet somebody who's struggling that because you've walked in those shoes, you understand. This is what Jesus is saying. Get your hands dirty. If you can work on your plank, you can help them with their speck and vice versa. But if it's just sitting back and observing, it doesn't do either person any good. The, this is the instruction. Take in other words, do, take out the plank and ha- remove the speck. There's this, there's this give and take. Be involved in kingdom work. Now, let me just, we're gonna, now we're going to shoot to Acts because I want you to see what happened. This is uh, incredible um, when you see what the vision for your life is as it relates to the being in community and an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what we, these are the two main themes we're going to be seeing through Acts. Community empowered by the Holy Spirit. What a community that's empowered by the Holy Spirit can accomplish. And it's, it's a lot. When Jesus left, and we'll read that story uh, next week, um, he gave some instructions to the church uh, about being witnesses. And, and, and basically, witnesses doesn't mean, sometimes in the Christian community, we call it, uh, witnessing, like you go out and you evangelize or you put a slip of paper in someone's, uh, you know, or you hold up a giant John 3.16 thing with a, with a clown hair. Um, I mean, we call that witnessing. But when Jesus says to be witnesses, he's talking about it in the true sense of the term. What have you seen God do? What have you heard God say? Well, then just be a witness of it. Live your life as though it's, it, it's, it's actually happening. And so, uh, so he does that, and then he promises them the Holy Spirit, he pro- and which, is, which is totally new to them, completely new. They don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They've read in the Old Testament about God come, having a, being a, a, a pillar of fire and a, cl- and a cloud of smoke they, he, in the Old Testament, and they, they knew about that. But this Holy Spirit idea, well, one day the disciples are together and they're praying, and the Holy Spirit shows up. 
and they start speaking in tongues, okay? Never happened before in the history of the world. And all of a sudden, bam, Holy Spirit shows up. Now, Peter, who betrayed Jesus, is a totally different Peter now. Why? Because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to explain what's going on because uh, it, it was uh, during a feast, and so there's all these people from all over the place, and they're hearing the disciples in their own language. So I don't know if they, that this gift of tongues expressed at this time was them all of a sudden being able to speak Spanish, okay, which would be awesome. I wish I had that gift. Uh, or if the people, they were just speaking in a heavenly language and the people were hearing them uh, in, in their own language. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But here's how Peter explains it. And this should be very encouraging to you as you think about how can I get involved in some kingdom work. Uh, they accuse him of being drunk, and he says, it's nine in the morning, you know, come on. And he just preaches this incredibly bold um, sermon. And he explains this. And what he's doing, he's quoting a, a, a prophet, Joel. You, you can read this almost word for word in the, in the book of Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What, who people? What? All people. So this is new for them because this, uh, uh, up until now, everybody believed, at least every Jew believed, that they were his people. But Joel prophesies that in the last days, and the last days are now, they started when Jesus went to heaven, and st- we're still in these last days. This is the last chapter. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all, all people. Now listen to this, fascinating. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now you think, well, I've never prophesied. <laughs> Don't Get caught up in the word-for-word prophecy. This means that when people become empowered by the Holy Spirit, they can do things they might not have thought they would be able to do. And by serving, by engaging, by participating in the kingdom of God, that's when the Holy Spirit empowers you. He empowers you when you step out in faith. See, what we want to do, typically, as Americans, is we want to wait until we get qualified. You know, I want to be, because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I'm going to wait till I'm qualified, and then I'll step in. Well, now you're stepping in with the idea that you're qualified. That's not a good servant's heart, okay? I don't stand up here saying, well, I'm qualified. I don't believe I am qualified. But that's where the Holy Spirit comes in to aid me, to help me. When I sit there some weeks and go, I have no idea what I'm preaching on on Sunday. I, have no, I don't have a clue. I'll call up one of my friends. I got nothing. I've read the, Bible, the whole Bible this week. I got nothing. There's nothing in there to talk about. I've already talked about it all. You know, and then he says, calm down. Right? But then all of a sudden, in that weakness, man, Holy Spirit, you're preaching on this. It's like, wow, where did that come from? It didn't come from the fact that I'm qualified. This prophecy is for all of us. In the last days, which we are in, God's Spirit will be poured out, and you will accomplish things you never thought you could accomplish with the power of the Holy Spirit. Usually when we think we can accomplish something, that's when we get into trouble. (laughs) He goes on, and this is God's 
side of the whole thing. So that was, that was man's side. And don't get caught up in the, in the apocalyptic language um, you, you, because th- when Joel wrote this, it wasn't a, uh, this is exactly what's going to happen. This is imagery, okay? But on our side, we'll be doing things we never thought possible. On God's side, he will show wonders in the heavens above and signs um, in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. You're like, I don't want to be a part of that at all. Oh, it gets even worse. Listen to this. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood, right, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. You're like, wow, I don't want to be a part of that. Listen, all Joel is saying and all Peter is saying is when we give in, when we give all of our lives over, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We take little steps of faith. We fill little baggies filled with goldfish or we do something. Well, as we do that, the church cannot be stopped. And further, the actual point of this whole prophecy is this next verse that says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe, just maybe, Somebody gets saved, somebody calls on the name of the Lord because you filled baggies filled with go- full of goldfish. Or you just stepped out in faith. Or you joined a small group and maybe you're in that small group and you don't even believe in God or you don't even know about the Bible or anything. But somehow, because of this act of faith, you're, the Holy Spirit uses you to speak to somebody else who says, man, that was really great. I had a friend... Uh, who was in a small group of ours that Lisa and I led on the, uh, on the street. And uh, he would constantly tell me he doesn't know anything about the Bible. And, and, uh, and he just liked to have everyone in his house. And um, every single week, I, so I'd prepare the Bible study. Every single week he had something better to say than I did. <laughs> Why? Because he just took a step of faith. He had a Bible study in his house. And he just began to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Uh, as Adjua comes back up, I want to challenge you for a couple of things before we get started. One is, if you've been on the fence about joining a small group, it's going to be 10 weeks of your life. Um, and, and maybe you don't need it, but I, I can almost guarantee someone's going to need you there. And, and we'll try to get you in on a day that works for you. And so if you have a day that works, we're going to take all those days of everybody and get them into groups. And then we're going to try and get them all organized as best we can th- this week. And then uh, we'll start Acts on Sunday, next Sunday. And then you'll go into your groups that week and we'll have questions and stuff that you can talk about with your facilitator. The other thing we're going to be doing in the next few weeks is we're going to be pushing you uh, to step out and to serve. Now, again, it doesn't even have to be at Living Spring. That, that's fine. If, if you're, some of you, I'm looking out, you're involved in ministry al- already. You're doing great ministry. Good. Then fine. No, no need to do anything different. For others, this just may be the beginning of you growing in the Lord in a way that maybe you never saw possible. And so, um, what I'd like us to do, Audra is going to, uh, read a poem that she wrote uh, during the during the sermon uh, to just kind of like we said with the art piece. Some people think some people ask why do you why do you do that? Why do you have a poem after you preach? And uh, it's because some people learn different ways, and we want to get as many people learning as we can. Um, 
But during this time, this is the time we fill out our connection cards and uh, we take our offering and all that. And so she'll read the poem and then she'll le- sing one last song and we'll get that all together. But I, here's what I'd ask you to do during this time. Ask the Lord, Lord, would you like me to serve somewhere? Would you like me to do something? How do you want me to step out? And if he does, if he talks to you or you've been kind of thinking, oh man, and you don't know what it is or whatever, just mark on your connection card. It says volunteer opportunities. Some of you have done that already and we are working hard to get all that organized. It's going to take us another couple, three, three or four weeks to get all the databases and everything else so that we can get this system in place. But just check it off. If there's some place that God has told you he wants you to serve in, just write it on there. Just write there. Youth ministry children's ministry, or maybe it'll be youth ministry or children's ministry, or maybe children's ministry or youth ministry, um, or, or one of the two ministries we have for younger people. Um, I don't know, if, he's, you know if, if you hear that in your head all the time, maybe the Lord was talking to you at that. Let me, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, let me pray for me. Lord Jesus... Lord, we we don't want to be unproductive. We don't want to be ineffective. We want to experience the fullness of what you have for us. We thank you that you modeled that already. There's no question what it is. We we work on personal holiness. We work on um, living our lives, making decisions, having a thought process that honors you. You said yourself, you didn't come on earth to be served, but to serve. It wasn't just to live a holy life. It was to serve. And Lord, as we step into this chapter of our church and of how we view things, Lord, I just pray that we would be able to maximize the greatest number of people for your glory. Lord, that in that process, as, um, as we all serve, that we would see you in all different ways, that we would, maybe this would be, remove the roadblock that we might have felt in our spiritual lives. I just, I just pray that you would speak um, to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.